We are Living by the Word Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to one cause. That cause is the truth given in the Holy Bible, which we believe is the inerrant and infallible Word of God, conferred to man to live by. We let the Word of God be the final authority as to what is or is not true. We strongly feel that if we do not expose false doctrine, we only encourage it. This ministry is designed to challenge you from an apologetic point of view. 1 Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. This is Michael Tinsley. Please stay tuned while we arm you, the believer, to keep living by the word. It's the noble thing to do. Good evening and welcome to all of our listeners, wherever you may be and however you may be listening. Thank you for joining the Bible Information Brokers. My name is Brian Allen, and for the next two hours, we are here to answer your open, honest Bible questions. You can start dialing right now. This is the best time to start dialing. Let me give you the number. It's toll-free, 1-888-LA-TALKS, 1-888-528-2557. Once again, that's 1-888-LA-TALKS. One triple eight five two eight two five five seven. If you heard something in church today, if you heard something in a Bible study, if you had any discussion, say with Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, atheists, Muslims, uh, people in the Word Faith Movement, uh, whomever it may be, if you have a question, now's the time to give us a call. That's what this ministry is all about. One triple eight L A talks. One triple eight five two eight. Two five five seven. How about this one? What if you had a question just from reading your Bible? And believe me, you will. Okay, we all do. There's a lot of information on there in the Bible, and uh, just from reading it, you will have questions. Okay, I'm going to give you the number again: one triple eight L A talks. One triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Uh, we also, uh, if you like, you can email us. You can email us at questions at, I'm sorry, questions uh, dot bibleinfobrokers.com. Again, by, um, questions uh, dot bibleinfobrokers.com. I'm sorry, I'm giving you the wrong, the wrong information. Questions at bibleinfobrokers.com. I apologize. Questions at bibleinfobrokers.com. Com. We got some things changed around two, three weeks ago, and so uh, bear with me, and I apologize. Questions at BibleInfoBrokers.com. Right now, I'd like to introduce my good friend, Professor Craig Hawkins. Craig, how are you, my friend? Hey, Brian. How's it going? Okay. Are you ready for uh, two hours of questions and answers tonight? Um, yes. Okay, that's kind of what we do, right? <laughs> I believe so. All righty. I've been doing it for over 20 years, so uh, I think we'll continue to do that. Okay. All right, you guys, let's get these phone lines lit up. I see you calling in. Uh, again, now is the best time to call due to the fact that um, a lot of you, <laughs> I see it every week, you call in at quarter to midnight. It, it ain't going to happen. If you want your questions answered, give us a call now while we're getting the show started. one 888 one We're going to start in Costa Mesa, and we're going to talk to our good friend, Joy. Joy, welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, very good. Thank you. Thank you. First one, wow. Yeah, you get to open up the show. 
Wow, wonderful. Okay, I have a question from John twenty twenty two, where okay. um, Jesus is saying, you know, peace to you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And then he said, um, he breathed on them, and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So, um, and then later, you know, the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was really given. So what, uh, what about that? Good question. Yeah, that, that one comes up from time to time. So you mm-hmm. basically want to know, did the Holy Spirit come in John twenty twenty two, or did it uh, come on the day of Pentecost, Correct. Like that. Mm-hmm. Right. What, Jesus, what was Jesus really doing? You know. What, right. Yeah. Thank you, Craig. Well, it's both, um, and this is a pretty controversial matter among Christians. So it's an in-house discussion among Christians mm-hmm. about the giving of the Holy Spirit and, and how this all works out and whatnot. Um, and just let me let me um, find a key passage here. Um, I'm going to go back earlier in John. And at any rate, they, actually we read, uh, let me find it. Sorry, that's what happens. I, gotta, we don't use, I don't use a computer. People think we do, and I don't. Um, and I did look it up in the commentary. You know, I mean, like there's a little book on it, and it did say, you know, like there's different opinions. Well, what did they say that you read? And I'll give you my opinion as well. So what was their, what was their reply, Joy? Uh, well, let's see. I've got it here. Uh, this is one of the most difficult verses in the entire gospel. We read that Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So the difficulty is that the Holy Spirit was not given until later on the day of Pentecost. Yet how could the Lord speak these words without the event taking place immediately? So, and then it goes on to give along different things. Okay, well, the grammar is such that they do receive the Holy Spirit right then and there. I was trying okay. to find the passage, and for some reason I'm having trouble finding it. It's earlier in John. Yeah, um, no, chapter 20, verse... Oh, you're looking for a different one? No, 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 I'm looking. I know, I know that one, yeah. I, mm-hmm. So the, the grammar in the Greek is such that this is not a future. This is a done deal. He says to them, you know, again, as you said, peace be upon you. As mm-hmm. the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And he breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And this is done. Okay, so they mm-hmm. did receive the Holy Spirit. Ah, and I just found my passage uh, just sec here, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go two more passages, and I believe this helps explain the text to us. And here we go. Yep. Uh, what I wanted was earlier was um, John 14 verse 17. It's with your Bible that's falling apart, right? Uh, actually, yeah. I'm just like, kidding. You know, I'm just kidding. I thought you couldn't find it, right? Yeah, Joy, Joy, you ought to see it. it it's pretty <laughs> bad. I think it's wonderful. Okay. So notice okay. this passage and also in chapter... Uh, oh, there we go. So here we go. Let me start verse 15 for context. And Craig, John. where are you? John what? 14. Okay. So in John 14, we read... If you love me, you will obey my com- what I command. And by the way, what is his command? His command is to believe on him. The God, Father's command is to believe on Jesus, John 6, 26, 46, and 1 John 3, 23. So if you look at 1 John 3, 23, by the way, and uh, John 6, 46, his command is to believe on Jesus. Now look at 16 of chapter 14. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. 
but you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. Ah, Mm. that's what I want to show you, is that at this time, actually, it says that he's already in them. And yet, he's actually given in some sense, excuse me, I, I apologize, he's with them. Notice the prepositions here, they're very important. In Greek, they're often very precise. So, He's with them, we're told, for example, in John 13, is another text which I can't find right now, but we'll just use John 14, 17, that works again, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. So he was already with them, and then after Jesus' resurrection, now he, they, he gives them the Holy Spirit, and he's in them, right? This was promised in John 14, chapter 15, and chapter 16. And so now, as you rightly did, went to John twenty twenty two, and we see that he is now in them, and yet we're still told they are to tarry, right, in Jerusalem until what? Right. And now let's read one more passage. Can I just ask one question? So he's in front of them, so he's literally there physically, but then mm-hmm. he's giving them, you're saying he, he is... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well. the, the text is such, it's, it's a done deal. They're not going to get him later. It's not future. It's a done deal in John twenty twenty two, He's now in them. But now listen, in Acts chapter 1, uh, about verse 4b, he, he gave them this command. That's why they're in Jerusalem. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my, that my father promised you, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So now there's this baptism or, or the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now notice, now, and I'm going to comment on this last part in just a moment. So that when they met together, they asked him, oh, well, actually, I'm going to skip down. And then, then he goes on to say, they asked him about the kingdom. He says, look, don't worry about it right now. <laughs> he says, but verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, upon you. Actually, a P is the Greek preposition. Mm. So, in other words, now, and then in Acts 2, this actually happened. So, he was promised that he was already with them. We see that in John 13 and John 14, 17, specifically. In John 20, 22, he's in them. Now, in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, the promise is he will come upon you. And mm. now what it is, it, can I say it this way? It's, it's like president versus resident versus president. He was already in them. But now they are overflowing. He comes upon them, and this is for service. So there's no contradiction here between Acts chapter 1 and John 20 or mm-hmm. Act, uh, John 13 and 14. He was with them. He became in them in John 20, 22, and now he comes upon them. Mm-hmm. And so these are different prepositions. They're not saying, well, he was in you, and then he'll be, now he's in you, and now he's in you. No, he was with you, in you, upon you, to overflowing, to, to, to um, totally filled with the Holy Spirit. Wonderful. So, various ways to understand that, but I'm going to argue from the prepositions alone, that's what's going on here. Now, mm-hmm. now Craig, here's a question. On um, the passage that was read in John 14, 17, uh, I'm reading from the New American Standard. It says, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. When he says he will be in you, it w- it's not saying he was in them yet, but that's no. where that's where verse 22 comes in. Mm. Right, exactly. So he's already with them, and there's some other verses. 
I'm having my tr- trouble p- uh, putting my hands on him right now, but it, uh, John 14, 17 will do. But there's one in John 13 and earlier where he says the same thing. He's with you. He's going to be in you, and, 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 now, and then he's going to be upon you. And so that's the progression. And so, it, yeah, and so we... we Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I get and, it. That's perfect. Thank you. Yeah, in other words, and, and we're told, for example, in Romans, at what, 8, 10, 8, 12, 8, 14, mm-hmm. that anybody who's a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives within them. So we know that. Mm-hmm. But this is this is a coming upon. This is this is for works of service. This is an anointing for powerful service. Mm-hmm. By God's power, by God's grace, not just by human strength and ingenuity and cute little plans and mm-hmm. and education and whatnot. This is by the power of God, the dunamis, if you will. We've been given the exousia, the authority, as his, his, his children, as believers, as kings and priests unto Christ. And now we're given the power to, to, to uh, they were given the power to carry out the gospel mission. And, and you can kind of say it's the same power that was, that went upon uh, those in the Old Testament. The, the, the Holy Spirit didn't preside in, didn't reside in them, but when they had power, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Mm-hmm. And and the um, uh, a, you know book Craig I really liked was by D L Moody uh, Secret Power yeah uh, by D L Moody uh, yeah. I read it years ago and um, as a matter of fact it was Dr Walter Martin that recommended it and um, I got the book and it's really really good yeah I highly recommend that book as well uh, by um, D L Moody Secret Power and mm-hmm. uh, you would think he was a charismatic Pentecostal but not so much that he believes in speaking in tongues, but he he's clearly believes in the power of God and to do effective ministry. It needs to be by the Spirit of God in one's life and not Amen. just Christians trying to do it themselves. Amen. I believe in that. Thank you. That was a wonderful answer. I, I really got it. Can I ask you one more real quick one? Just a real quick one. It's been on my mind for a long time in my reading uh, weeks and weeks ago. Well, since I know you, you, are, you are a person that reads your Bible all the time, you come up with good questions, yes, I'll take another one from you. I appreciate it. It's in Matthew 18.10 where it says, Take heed, Jesus is saying, that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven their, an- their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. But understand, angels give him charge over us to keep us in all our ways. And, but what about, I mean, it just kind of struck me that they like, wow, the children have like assigned angels or, I don't know, could you explain that better? Yeah, well, um, and again, it's kind of a, a difficult issue, but the angelic realm really does exist. And they mm-hmm. do God's bidding. In fact, we're told in what Hebrews 1 that they are ministering spirits and to those who are heirs of salvation. We see an incredible number of examples of of angels protecting people, of carrying out God's will. God doesn't need them any more than he needs us, but he uses them. And there are so the elect angels, that is the ones that did not fall or rebel. We often refer to them, uh, the elect versus the evil angels. And that they serve God, and one of the ways they serve God is by serving us. They have administered uh, uh, his covenants, they are involved, and... Uh, and they also, uh, in some sense, protect and watch over his children. Uh, God uses them to to protect us and watch over us. And um, there, there's many fascinating accounts even in the Bible, and then there's a number of books on angels. Some of them are kind of silly, and some of them, I think, are, do a really good job of talking about the angelic realm and uh, various stories of people talk about them being protected. It's not so much that I'm interested in the angels. It's just that, like, 
it's not saying that these are Christian children that are believers yet. They're just children. So, like, the Lord has still, you know what I mean? Like, he's still assigned angels for their protection. Well, yeah, we don't know how all that works. It could be, I thought okay. that might be part of your question, um, how, how all that works. That's in the providence of God. All I know is, you know, we're not to try to talk to them, to try to summon them or ask them anything. We simply uh, serve God. Right. Yeah, it's a fascinating question, um, but... It is interesting, and it does seem to imply, I'm not quite sure about that, but it does seem on the surface to imply that even this refers to non-Christian. And, and then when you hear about children being abused so much, you know, I have friends, and then when they were a child, and like, you think, well, where were the angels? Or Anyway. Yeah, well, you know, you know, like Professor Sage, you know, I, I think of, uh, you know, the the passage, I believe it's in Titus, where there's one God and one mediator between man and God, the man, Christ Jesus. So, you know, we, 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 we give it up to the Lord, and however he wants to deal with it, disseminate, whether it's directly, whether it's through angels, whatever the case might be, uh, you know it's going to be done right. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, Joy, thank you so much thank for you. your call. Thank you so Good much. questions as I'll always. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye. Thanks. You know, Craig, Joy, uh, Joy comes in every week with some really good questions. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. good questions. All right, we're going to move to Santa Monica. We're going to talk to Kathy. Kathy, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi. Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Your question for this evening, Kathy. Yeah, okay, so here's a question. I was having a conversation with a family member, and um, this question came up about homosexuality. And basically, um, basically, there's like male and female. He was filling out um, a form, and then he put like other and checked it. And I'm like, why are you, you know, checking other? And he said, well, there are people that don't think that, you know, they're either or. And I said, well, you know, God made male or female. There's no other there's like no other like um, um, like category. It's just a man or a woman. I said people refer to themselves as different things. And then he brought up a different scripture. Um, hold on, let me get it really quick for you. Ladies and gentlemen, you listen to the Bible uh, information. First Timothy two twelve, and he just referred to that where Paul says that um, you know where he says that women should not preach in the church. And then he used that as, you know, as a questioning factor to say that, well, the Bible, just questioning the Bible, basically saying that maybe some parts of it are not um, are not right. And I said that really doesn't have anything to do with it. So my question is, um, I just want to know if there is a if, if there is a way to to um, to really know apologetics and to really, I mean, I know the Bible pretty well, but. I just couldn't, you know, that doesn't have anything to do with it. But when I just started saying, look, and I just read to him, like, in Genesis, okay, like, God created male and he created female. He didn't create any other, like, category. But then just to, like, I don't know, people use certain parts of the Bible to um, to say, look, I don't agree with this. And, of course, there are women, you know, preachers and women that are called to be preachers, you know, but then to take that out of context, to use, to use it to support something, to say, okay, well, if this is not right, then that must not be right. Well, I think one of the things, Kathy, and I think you hit it on the head, is uh, people uh, are always taking the Bible out of context. You know, the mm-hmm. you know the professor always says the first three rules of interpreting Scripture is is context, 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 and uh, it's it's good to you know when you're talking about apologetics, you know it's it's 
always good to learn how to read the Bible in in its proper context. And mm -hmm. uh, there's there's things like uh, studying hermeneutics, the art and science of interpretation. Um, and so what you find is that people will take Scripture out of context to basically uh, uh, prove or to hold to what they believe or what they want to believe rather mm -hmm. than, uh, you know, they eisegete uh, exactly. rather than exegete. They, instead of taking what the Bible is saying, uh, what they do, they take out what they want it to mean. And, uh, and that's where a lot of the um, false and wrong contexts come into play. And so, right. or, or they'll, or they'll take passages that don't relate to one another. And, mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of that, a lot of that happens all the time. Great. I, yeah. I oh. wonder what I could have said. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. I'm so sorry. Go ahead. I was just wondering how could I have like provided, like he, like he, like I gave him that scripture and I read it to him and then he read me that other scripture that I just told you about. And so I was just wondering how, what I could have done to, you know, to support that, you know, you know, the Bible is true. It's, you know, the inspired Word of God, you know, the, the you know, the New Testament especially. And so that, you know, because if, if somebody's going to take it out of context, then then everything else can be questioned, you know, um, well, one thing to I suit one's purpose. Totally understand. And uh, one, one thing I, I personally like to do is when you bring up a point or bring up a passage like you did, uh, instead of the per allowing the person to say, okay, well, what about this passage? You know, they, mm -hmm. need, they need to deal with that, that specific passage. And, and I primarily will say, you know, we'll get there. We're going to deal with that. But here's a question that I ask you. And, you know, and I want, you know, I, I want to I get your response to it. How do you, how do you respond to it? And so um, I think asking questions is very important. Uh, uh, responding in its proper context, uh, okay. letting them know what the passage does say and what it really says in its proper context. But then at the same time, uh, they need to answer and respond to the question that you ask them. Okay. Craig? Well, what happens okay. is we start, we start playing Bible hopscotch here. Exactly. And... Um, Basically, here's the, here's the underlying issue, and I like to look at presuppositions. People come to life to issues with, with a worldview, and mm -hmm. how they think they know things, what they think they know, what they think is right or wrong, or what have you. And basically, the mentality of our society is we're so smart and we're so educated, we know these things today, and everybody else was an idiot before we came along. Mm -hmm. um, and so... We do want to look at the Bible, so a big part of this, yeah, I believe is the, the reliability of the Bible. And there are a number of ways to do this. I have uh, the biography and apologetics, but just quickly, there's uh, what used to be volume one, and now I think it's two uh, two volumes in one, of Evidence That Demands a Verdict has a very good section on the reliability of the Bible. Three, three books now, Craig. Yeah, I've done talks on this issue. I, I teach regularly on this on the reliability of the Bible using even uh, external or secular standards that are used, uh, in a, whether it's in a court of law trying to discern the reliability the, uh, and or antiquity and the authenticity of a, of, a, of a given manuscript, let alone, again, an ancient one. 
And so there are standard tests that one uses, such as the, what's called the bibliographical internal, external. I don't expect you to remember all that, but there are the great things that talk about this. For example, mm -hmm. uh, History and Christianity by John Warwick Montgomery. History and Christianity by John Warwick Montgomery. He goes to this in okay. detail. It's a small book. And, and so Christians really do need to get informed. They do need to know the reliability of the Bible. Um, so, so that's a, uh, that's a, a big issue. Um, but, but, yeah, we have to be able to address these concerns, and uh, there are a number of things. You know, we're, we're dealing in a day and age where uh, postmodernism uh, as an ideology dominates our culture. Whether people know it or can spell it, uh, th that's what's going on. And a big part of this is what's called social constructivism. It has various names, social construct, perspectivalism, constructivism, whatever. But basically it says that reality is not objectively and independently true from us. We construct it. And through a social contract, we basically agree what's true. There is no real objective, external, universal reality. We, as a society, as a culture, as people in the 21st century, decide this. So, for instance, just as you know, typically... Americans drive on the right side of the road, all things equal, mm -hmm. and Brits and Aussies drive on the left. In India, they drive wherever they want. Um, but, but the point is, is, is we could drive on the left, and, and, and the Aussies could drive on, on the right, but they don't. Um, so the, the, it's, it's objectively true, but it's a social construct. We agree. And so what they're saying, uh, and the thinkers in, the, in this area are saying, the people who hold this, is that so sexuality, so gender is just a construct. And so why should you let, uh, you know, this white Western male-dominated worldview, this binary view of either male or female, uh, inform you? Indeed, there's not only a third sex, I would say, or gender, there's, there's almost an infinite variety, a kaleidoscope, a spectrum. That's, in fact, where, where uh, Oregon's going right now on driver's license. So that's the Sitzenleben, we say in German. That's the, that's the cultural milieu. That's the, the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age. We're told that everything's a social construct. So, so it is with mm -hmm. sexuality. So it is with so-called gender. And I, I believe we're seeing a wholesale rejection and rebellion against God's order, his creation of creating people male and female, not Adam and Steve, but Adam and Eve, male and female. Right. And our society's rejecting that because it's rejecting everything that's mm -hmm. related to a, a historic Orthodox Christian worldview. So notice the family's been in trouble actually since the 60s. The people have been arguing mm -hmm. for group marriages, for you know, 10 guys, 15 women, whatever combination you want, not just two males or two females. Um, so we're seeing this. So Christians really need to get up to speed because mm -hmm. these arguments, uh, these views are here to stay. They're not going away. And Christians need to get informed and understand this. And they may not spend a whole lot of time studying Jacques Lacan or Julia Kristeva or Judith Butler, uh, people whose views have radically influenced uh, uh, the same-sex marriage idea today uh, and the these, uh, fluidity of gender. Uh, but, but that's what's going on. And, and at a popular level, Christians really need to get uh, informed. And uh, there is a... Uh, uh, um, uh, Rosalia Butterfield has a phenomenal website. She was formerly involved in the lesbian lifestyle. There's a great book called Out of a Far Country, uh, where another individual came out of the homosexuality. And these are these are powerful books and ministries that that really help uh, uh, deal with these issues. And and 
There are some that deal with homosexuality. There are some really good articles. There's a whole book. One of the best books I know of is called Homosexuality. I'll spare you the subtitle. The subtitle is like two, two lines. But Homosexuality by James D, capital D-E, then capital Y-O-U-N-G, James D. Young. Phenomenally good book on this issue. And so we need to address people where we are. And I just really encourage dialogue and things like this. Well, so why do you think that? So what's the point of that passage? How do you know that's wrong? How do you know you understand this? What? See, um, my background is also not just theology but philosophy, and so I want to know the epistemological questions, fancy word, but this means theory of knowledge. What do you know and how do you think you know it? Why do you believe this? Why are you giving me this argument? This is not in a, a pejorative sense. This is not in a uh, defensive posture or uh, you know mean spirit. It's just simply dialogue. And so what do you think? Well, why is this? Why do you believe this? Because people just have this idea again. Everybody's an idiot except us, and we in the yeah. 21st century know all these things, and Mary else is a moron. And uh, so we've got it straight. And like, really, who says? Who told you that? This uh, this person, you know, that I'm talking to is a family member that, you know, they're a believer, they go to church all the time, and they're, you know, they're really spiritual, they're educated, and, like, there's something came up where um, one of their friend's parents got married, you know, two males, right? And mm-hmm. um, they they wanted to go, and they're an adult, and I, you know, I just, I couldn't say that you couldn't go, but I said, look, as a Christian, you know, this is what God says, you know, and... Myself as a photographer, if if I got presented with an opportunity to photograph, you know, a gay couple, I wouldn't do it based on what the Bible says. I, I mm-hmm. couldn't do it, my conscience, right? But then he said, you know what, I totally understand and I agree with that, but God does call us to, you know, to, to show love. And I thought about it and I said, well, he just said that this is my way. I'm not supporting them or anything. I just, I know them. They invited me and I'm mm-hmm. just, you know, I'm just right. basically well, showing love. Yeah. And I do, yes. And so couple, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go because that's me, and that's how I feel. But he felt that by his right, okay. he didn't. You know, I felt that if if I like photographed a wedding, that that might that might look like I condone that. And right. I feel like just where I am as a Christian, I couldn't. Like I wouldn't be putting that person down, but I would say, look, here's my views, and here's how I feel. But for him, he just felt like, and I and I don't, you know, I don't con, uh, condemn him for that. You know, he said, I'm I'm showing love. So even though I don't believe and what they you know what their union right. represented i'm just going to just right them. well let me let, let me address show, you know this is getting a long conversation but it's important let okay. me address three at least two three more points <laughs> okay. that you brought up no no it's, it's important so i want to spend one more time and, and that, let okay. me jump in real quick um okay uh, Car- uh carmela and uh seratino they were holding for a while they okay, uh, so no, no 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 we this is important i just wanted to let them know that uh, they were coming up next so give us a call back we have some open lines so call back uh you guys have some great questions it looks like so okay i'm sorry kathy go ahead no, so, okay. so actually it's my turn. So, uh, so here we go. So a couple things. Yeah, I understand. Christians disagree about that. What, mm-hmm. what matters is we should speak the truth in love, not just love, yeah. but in truth. So, mm-hmm. And Paul says, have I become your enemy because I've tell you the, told you the truth. So I, I understand Christians are going to interpret that differently. Uh, by mm-hmm. the way, uh, many Christians have already lost cases where they would not f- photograph a uh, same-sex wedding, so just be prepared for that if somebody should put that yeah, to you. Yeah, I am. Um, but 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 to the bigger issues, first of all, and, and I just need to be brutally honest here, so just hear me out. 
okay. they're spiritual. What in the world does that mean? Everybody in the world's spiritual. I mean, there's all kinds of people that are spiritual, but it has nothing to do with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really, kind of like this. Religion and spirituality is what people have to say about about, about God. Christianity yeah. is what God has to say about people. So that someone's spiritual means nothing to me. The devil's spiritual. And I don't mean to be mean, but that's just a reality. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So okay. that's number one. Number two, that they're okay. a Christian. Okay, but how much is their view informed by the Bible? How much mm-hmm. is their worldview? See, I, I, education, well, I'm educated too, but what I also know is most Christians have and I'm just going to speak real uh, black and white here, have a Ph.D. Okay. knowledge of the world and a, and a, and a kitty knowledge of the Bible. Their exactly. knowledge of the Bible is radically informed, influenced by, it's like wearing rose-colored glasses and everything looks rosy mm-hmm. or, or yellow and everything looks jaundiced. It's not because the world's that way, it's because that's the way they're seeing it. So what often happens is they go to university or college or even, you know, what have you, and uh, read, and then they think, well, they really know all this stuff. But what they're doing is importing these non-Christian presuppositions. There's that key term oh. again. These ideas into the Bible, and they think that these things are somehow, well, everybody knows. Every, well, this is what the Bible teaches, or this is what the Bible should teach. And so I cannot tell you the number of people, since I, I, I live and breathe in academia, that's what I've done for 30-plus years, teaching graduate students at that for 30 years. Um, well, you know, I, I'm not impressed. Um, it's like, uh, so, so how much is one's view, anyone's view, informed by the Bible? Are they willing to humble themselves and truly learn and listen to what God says and why? So mm-hmm. the, the average person who even goes to, to church regularly, the average Christian's biblical knowledge is appalling. Um, and they know very little about what the Bible says in context and really how to interpret it. What they really know is the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age, of what uh, what are the dominant philosophies and isms, and that would include postmodernism, social constructivism, pluralism, relativism. Those are the things that inform, those are the ideas that inform the average person today. Even the average Christian, even the average Christian who means well, their views are far more radically influenced by non-Christian philosophies and things that are actually antithetical to the Bible than they really are by the Word of God. And the average church hardly even does any sermon that's worth anything in teaching the Bible. It's often going around telling stories and jokes and being cute and skits and everything else and not really giving people a depth of a knowledge of the Bible. So I just have to respectfully say those things to your family member and to say, look, so let's examine these issues. Let's see if this really flies, if science is, you know, really establishes this, dot, dot, dot. And what does the Bible say? What does God's Word say? And, and again, I always want to deal with what do we think we know and how do we know it? How would we verify that and how would we falsify that? If we don't that, do that, we're just whistling Dixie. No matter what we say, we're whistling in the dark. Kathy, okay. th- did, did that you help so you? Much. I'm sure it did. It helped me out so much. Can I have your website so I can kind of maybe look? Because um, I know I was trying to write, you know type all this stuff down, and I think I missed some stuff. So where would be a good spot for me to just... Uh, you can go uh, to uh, BibleInfoBrokers.com. BibleInfoBrokers.com, and you, you can go go to the archives, and we have about two, three years of radio shows on there right now. Yeah, and I do apologize in one sense, but I, I think it needs to be said. Some people often say it's like getting a drink for me is kind of like trying to drink out of a fire hose. So um, I get that, but I just thought those are some big issues. You can go back and listen to this again and get the resources. And we could talk some more, Kathy. Love to do that about specific things. But I just one last thing again. I want to ask people specific questions. 
such as a family member. So what is your view? So how did you arrive at this? Why do you think this way? And again, it's not attacking them. It's not in an accusatory, you know, we're not, uh, this isn't the Inquisition. We're just like, hey, I'm just, I just want to know. Why, why do you think this way? How, why do you believe this? How did, would you prove this? How, could, how would someone, would anything constitute disproof of your ideas? Or are you not even open to that? Those are just really bedrock questions that have to be asked in this context. All right. Thank you so much, Professor. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Bible Information Brokers. The toll-free number is one triple eight la talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. We lost a couple calls. If you can, please give us a call back. Had some really good questions. I uh, want to get those taken care of. Uh, before we get to uh, Santino, hang, hang with us. I do want to let our listening audience know that uh, the Bible Information Brokers, on behalf of Living by the Word Ministries, this is a faith-supported broadcast. Um, I say this every week. That means our broadcast is completely dependent on the financial support of our listeners, uh, not a church or uh, an organization uh, financially. Uh, it's backed by a hundred percent of our um, of our of our listeners. So, if you believe in the work of this ministry, uh, if you believe that this ministry is having a positive uh, spiritual impact on you, if you're uh, if you're learning if you are getting answers to your bible questions and you know uh help us and support this radio broadcast uh definitely continue to pray uh for us but also uh we need to hear from you financially do you want to read a couple uh we haven't done this in a while but i'm going to read some uh, uh comments that we got from our, our listening audience it says you know uh he says you know i appreciate your program immensely love knowing i can ask all my questions thank you so much um uh irreplaceable with much love that came from that was uh it was another joy i says gentlemen thank you and may god continue to bless you um really nice comments i pray that you guys see on there this was a few weeks ago god bless i would uh, uh i would be a big it would be a big loss um, we are grateful for your radio ministry on Sunday at 10 p.m. to midnight on KKLA. We hope that you will stay on the air, which, you know, you guys came through big time. Um, so anyway, uh, we get uh, comments, and I used to read them, uh, not all of them, but some of them from time to time, and I'm going to do that. Uh, but this is what you can do, you guys. Uh, if you want to help support this radio ministry, there's a couple ways you can do it. Go to our website, and I know we had issues with it, but it works fine now. I checked it. You can go to BibleInfoBrokers.com. That's BibleInfoBrokers.com. Uh, simply click on the link that says Support and Donate, and you'll have the option of making a one-time donation, or you can set it up for an automatic monthly donation uh, deduction. It's that simple. You can go either way. So go to BibleInfoBrokers.com. Click on the link that says Support and Donate. The second way... You can mail a check or money order to us. We do have a new P.O. box, uh, and I do have a book for an individual. He, it was the first donation that came into our new P.O. box. I like that. Uh, but it is. Write it down. This is our new P.O. box, P.O. box 90477, Los Angeles, California, 90009. Once again, that's P.O. box 90477. Seven, Los Angeles, California, 
9009. So you know what? Whether you do it by, by mail, whether it's by the Internet, I want to thank you in advance for supporting uh, this radio ministry, the Bible Information Brokers. All right. With that being said, let's go. Let's go to Santino. He's been waiting. Santino, are you there? Yeah, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Your question for this evening. Yeah, my question is about the parable about the five foolish bridesmaids. Uh, it seems in the end they were asking other bridesmaids to give them some of their oil. So I'm wondering, did they realize that they weren't, weren't really saved? And also my second question would be to that is, how can you make sure that you do have saving faith? Great. Uh, that's pretty much it. Okay. Well, those are ex- excellent questions, Santino. And sure, and, you know, I, I'm guessing that, I mean, we don't know, so it's an inference, but I think the reasonable inference is, no, they didn't know. They thought they were saved. You know, they thought but they, they weren't. And there are many people, of course, the inference here, I think you're going for is... Hang on, hang on, Santino, can you turn your radio down? We're getting feedback. Thank you. Santino? Okay. Let's try again. Yeah, did you turn your radio down, Santino? Yeah. Okay, yeah, great. Thank you. Great. So, at any rate, uh, the question would come up then, so, so how can we know if, if we're saved, if one is saved? And, and there are people listening right now, and, there are, uh, and I'm sure you, as I have, have encountered many people who thought they were saved. And when I asked them, you know, so I have a list of specific questions, and I'm not saying they're the only ones, but I, as you can tell from my previous call, I like to, with Kathy, I like to ask people questions instead of me just telling them. Um, most people don't like to be told stuff, even if it's true. <laughs> if it's from the doctor, they want to, they want to somehow think they discovered it and what have you. But, but, but seriously though, the, the issue is, so I mean, I ask them, well, what does it mean to be saved? Or I ask them a question like, God forbid, if you had died today, would you go to heaven? And, and, and many of them will say, well, yes, but then I want to ask them, and, and why is that? And then they'll say things like, well, you know, I'm a basically a good person, and I don't beat my wife or my husband, and I'm not as bad as my neighbor, I'm kind to my dog, uh, you know, what have you. And I, I say, well, yeah, yeah, those are all great things, I really appreciate that, but that's not what makes a person a Christian, that's not what gets someone into heaven. And, and so whether I'm talking to them or, you know, otherwise, I just I'm very, I want to be very clear that it's a gift of God. It's, it's acknowledging Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that we need him. What that means is Savior means deliverer. I need to be delivered from my sins, which is my faults, my imperfections, my alienation from God. And so, uh, again, with the good news, there's the bad news, right? There is good news, but that comes on the heels of the bad news. It's, the bad news first is that, yeah, you, we're not right with God. We're not saved. We can't save ourselves. We're not divine or potentially so. We don't become angels. Um, we can come, become perfected human beings by the grace of God. But even that's not by our works, but by the, the graciousness, the gracious gift of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what, what, if a person's listening right now and saying, okay, yeah, yeah, I know this, but how do I know I'm a Christian? Um, well, again, for those who don't, I want to explain that to them, that it's trusting in Christ as your Lord and Savior. What is God's will? We mentioned this earlier, John 6, uh, 26, uh, or 46. And First John three twenty three, God's will is that we believe on His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And how do we know I'm saved? Is because we, if we've trusted in Christ. So if one says basically to the effect, I'm trusting in Jesus and Him alone. Yeah, I want to do good works, but those works aren't going to save me. They don't get me saved. They don't keep me saved. 
what saves me, what delivers me, and gets me into a fellowship with God here and now and for all eternity is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, trusting in Him as my Lord and Savior. And if one has done that, then they're saved. And how do I know this? Because Hebrews tells us, right, that God, God's immutable. He doesn't change. He doesn't lie. God is faithful. When God says something, you can bank on it. You know, in this day and age, you can hardly believe anything anybody tells you, especially politicians or others. But, but we can trust God because He's God who cannot lie. He doesn't lie. He cannot lie. And He's told us, for example, one of my favorite texts, as I know it is Brian's, is found in 1 John chapter 5. Actually, the context starts earlier, minimally verse 11, but, but, but I want to, for time's sake, get to verse 13. In, in the, the book of the New Testament, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, John says, and I quote, These things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. So notice, they're written. He wrote them so you can know. That have cognizant, have a knowledge that you have, not might have, not may have, what's called an, a, a present indicative in Greek and language. It's a present fact, reality, that you may know that you have eternal life. So I can know that I'm saved, and here's how you know, if you're trusting in God for your salvation, that he paid it alone. See, if it's up to me, well, I, I may not complete the transaction. I may not live up to my part. I could perhaps blow the deal on the last day of my life. But when it's done by him from first to last, when he's done the saving, it's a done deal. It's finished. And Jesus tells us in John 19.30, he says of his, of his death, it's, it's, it's completed, it's finished, or paid in full, we could translate that, John 19.30. Paid in full, the penalty for our sins. That's how we can know that we've passed from death to life, that we know they're Christians. So the reason people don't know, and, the, and probably the five foolish virgins didn't know they're saved, because they assumed because they thought, well, I'm not that bad, I'm pretty good, I've kept most or many of the commandments, I'm a pretty decent person, I'm certainly not as bad as my fa- rest of my family or my neighbors, so I'm going to get into heaven. And if that's what they're trusting, like our Jewish friends did, as Paul tells us in Romans uh, chapter 9, verses 28 and 30, actually through 32, Romans nine twenty eight thirty two, they weren't saved because they were trusting in themselves, but when one trusts in God, and him alone, Santino, we can know that we're not one of the foolish virgins, but we are indeed those who pass from death to life. We are his children, and we will go into the marriage celebration with Christ because he has done the work, and we know and we rely upon him and him alone, and it's a done deal. So there's more to say, but I would at least say something like that. I, I appreciate that. If there's any chance to get a quick reply to this, what if someone is struggling with unbelief? And what about that person? Can they have any uh, peace of mind of still being saved if they're struggling with unbelief now? Well, sure. Thank you. I'm so glad you asked that. Look, uh, I think of the, there was a guy in the Bible. He had he had um, his son was demon possessed. Now most people don't even believe in that today, but there are cases of that, especially in other countries. And and Jesus, said, you know, the disciples couldn't. The disciples were down there. This is in Matthew sixteen seventeen. They come down from what we call the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, Peter and uh, John or James were with him. I know Peter. I forget whether it's John or James. Uh, I think it's John. He's with him. And, and the rest of the disciples could not help this guy. And Jesus said it was because of their unbelief. And, they, and Jesus asked him, do you believe? And he says, yes, Lord, help my unbelief. In other words, God's gracious. God doesn't say, oh, you've got to have perfect faith. You've got to have perfect commitment, perfect confidence. And if you don't, I'm not doing anything for you. 
Look, uh, I relate to this because I was a doubting Thomas for years. Um, my background it was a secular university, classical history and philosophy at a major, almost top ten university in the United States. That wasn't exactly Sunday school. They didn't help my faith a whole lot. They were bashing my views on a regular basis, no matter what class it was. It was math or English. Somehow, Christianity came up and was thrashed. And I had all these questions, all these doubts. In fact, I'll be honest with you. I was looking for loopholes. I was looking for reasons to get out because I was cramping my lifestyle. But, you know, God was good and gracious to me and, and was faithful to me and worked with me. He didn't say, now, Craig, you don't believe like the way you should, so I'm dropping you like a hot potato. God works with unbelief. God works with those who are struggling. So I, I, I can compensate that person because I was that person for years. And every time I thought I found a hole in the Bible, I'm like, I'm out. I got it. Uh, this is it. I've refuted Christianity. And uh, then I'm, whoops, and then I find the answer to that. So... Uh, I have real compassion for those people, Santino, because I was one of those. And even doubting Thomas, Jesus doesn't say, you're out of here, buddy. He says, you know, he gives them evidence. And so what I want to encourage, whether that's you or another person you know, is give them grace and then talk to them. Now, if it's you, just keep calling. Let's talk some more. But if it's someone else literally you know, not just you, then then say, hey, yeah, let's let's deal with this. What are you struggling with? What are your questions? Let's Let's deal with these. By the way, there's a great book um, called Dealing with Doubt, Dealing with Doubt by Gary Habermas, H-A-B-E-R-M-A-S, Dealing with Doubt by Gary Habermas. And uh, so I would recommend that to them or to you t- to share with them. To, but, but, yeah, th- how these things get resolved is not just by, you know, trying to have be happy attitudes or think positive thoughts, but it's by, okay, well, what, what are your concerns? What are your doubts? I've been reading for a number of reasons that one of the great saints of Christian history, St. Augustine, a bishop of Hippo, North Africa, born 354 to 430. The point is, this guy had so many doubts. He, he became a Manichaean. His mom was a Christian. He rejected it. Then he got into skepticism. He was reading Sectus Empiricus. Uh, he, he was into everything but Christianity. But eventually he became a Christian, and through his investigations, he became confident in the truth of Christianity, but it was a long road. And trust me, if people like him can come to Christ and, and, and have their doubts dealt with, so can you or your friends. So there's great encouragement there, I believe. Awesome. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Oh, our pleasure. Thank you, Santino. God bless you. God bless you, guys. You are listening to the Bible Information Brokers. We're almost up to our top of the hour break. We have some lines open. Let's get these lines filled up. This show goes as you call in. I know you have questions out there. The dumbest questions are the ones that are never asked. It's toll free. It's on our dime. one 888 la talks one 888 You can email us at questions at BibleInfoBrokers.com. You know, Craig, uh, we have a couple questions I want to uh, that were emailed, and they're along the same lines. I want to deal with those on the other side of the break. Um, but uh, also got a um, uh, got an email from uh, from our friend Philip, and uh, it was a uh, he, he has a question, but he also sent legislation uh, from Ontario. It says Ontario passes totalitarian bill allowing government to take kids from Christian homes. Um, Ontario's Kathleen Wynne uh, liberals have uh, have passed what critics describe as totalitarian 
Bill 89 by a vote of 63 to 23. On the well, last, Brian, maybe we could hold on to that. I'm sorry, if you don't mind. I want to really share the gospel right here in light of what we were just talking about. I want to come back. By the way, I'm guessing that's Ontario, Canada. That's not Ontario, California. Right. Right. Yeah, if we can hold on to that, it's really important, and I do want to address that. I think so for that information. Uh, 25 actually outlaws Christians to speak out against homosexuality in any way, any way shape, or form. Um, but, yeah, you know, folks, we've been talking about a lot of things, and uh, it's interesting the government's trying to tell us what we can and can't think. Um, but there's just a key issue here. I, I think of the questions that Santino was asking and Kathy as well. You know, God, God can deal with your questions. God can deal with your doubts. God can deal with your skepticism. You don't have to pretend or think, oh, I've got to have it all together, or I've got to have all these things answered, or I just I, I can't believe. God is more than happy to, to accept you where you are and deal with your doubts. Look, I was there, my friend. I spent years working through uh, these, a lot of these issues. Why do you think I did? Why do, you think, well, why do you think I do what I do now? Because this was me. I had these issues. Christianity was cramping my lifestyle. Uh, number one. Number two is I went to secular universities, the bulk of my education, uh, as a philosophy major, classics major, and other whatnot. And, uh, man, I, you know, Christianity got slammed, and I needed to not ignore it, but work through their con- their concerns, their objections, the ones I already had and the ones they had. And I tell you, I can say I've got a satisfied mind. I don't know everything. We don't have all the answers, but we spent a whole lot of time over the years looking into this, and we'd love to talk with you. But what I want you to know is God meets you where you are. You can just say, look, I'm, I'm struggling, God. I, I want to believe, but, but I've got these issues, concerns, and I need the answers. I need some help with this. Uh, or I just I don't have objections. Hey, you know what? We'd love to hear those. We'd love to talk with you about those. God is more than able and willing to talk with you uh, through these matters. What, what, what the issue is, my friend, though, is we can't save ourselves. We're all headed to a crisis eternity. We're all messed up people. We're all broken. Some more than others. You may be much better than me, but you're not perfect. I'm sorry. Uh, you still need a Savior. And God will meet you where you are. Whatever you're going through right now, you might say, you know, you don't know me. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what I've done. No, but I know myself. But whatever you've done, God will accept you. If you will ask for forgiveness, if you will repent, if you will turn towards God and away from your sins, and he'll give you the strength and divine energy to do that, God will receive you, and he will help you work in your life. He doesn't say, clean yourself up, and then I might accept you. God says, come to me as you are, and he will deal with you. And by that, I mean in the best sense possible. He will clean you up. He will work in your life. He'll deal with the broken pieces of your life, the, the strange relationships, all the mess, the, whatever's going on in your life, you know, whatever that may be, whatever you've done. 30 God seconds, already knows great. it. And he will meet you where you are and welcome you into his kingdom by, if you will, Simply trust Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Thank you so much, Professor. Ladies and gentlemen, we are at the top of the break. Uh, we have some open lines. one 888 talks one 888 Again, let's get them lit up. one 888 talks one 888 We will be back right after these messages. <laughs> 